You are Locked On Hawks, your daily Atlanta Hawks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, friends. Welcome to episode 988 of the Locked On Hawks podcast. I am your host, Brad Roland, coming to you on a Thursday evening into Friday morning. And today's show is brought to you by Built Bar. Go to builtbar.com, use the promo code LOCKED15, and from there, 15% off your next order with Built Bar. Today's podcast will focus on what became a seven-point loss in Indiana for the Hawks and uh, not the greatest performance in the world for Atlanta. I will say, is this a great loss? No. Is it a devastating loss? Also No but still a, a spot where the Hawks are, are supposed to win, quote-unquote, and uh, they did not play particularly well in this game, at least defensively. There were some issues throughout, and um, it would have been a big win had they gotten it. They would have been in a pretty commanding position, honestly, with regard to the playoff race and all of that if they had won this game. With the loss, though, a little bit more challenging was we'll get into on the podcast, and you know, sort of a letdown spot on paper. I would say similar to what happened last Monday in Detroit when they beat Milwaukee and they were coming off this huge high uh, of an upset win, similar to what happened against Phoenix on Wednesday. And then they go to Detroit and get sort of, I would say, not um, beaten down, but pretty uh, pretty much flopped in that, in that game. Not quite as bad here in terms of the performance, but a similar spot and a similar result on a back-to-back. And the Hawks have now lost four in a row at home. Uh, sorry, four in a row on the road. Uh, they've been great at home, not so great on the road. Some of that's anecdotal, but... Here we are, and we'll dive into the game as we always do. So thank you thank you for joining us, and uh, here we go with the game itself. So, again, coming in to the night, the Hawks, I would describe them as the healthier team, also the better team against the Pacers, but a small situational disadvantage. Uh, both teams on a back-to-back, they both played on Wednesday, but Indiana played at home, so no travel there. Now, the counterpoint there would be that the Pacers are sort of embroiled in, not necessarily scandal, but certainly some tur- some, tur- some turmoil behind the scenes. Um, without going into all of it, you can probably Google it if you'd like to. The Pacers have sort of a, a hot seat situation with their head coach. Former Hawks assistant Greg Foster was suspended for this game after dust-up with Gog Batazzi on the court on Wednesday. So, uh, not the greatest spot for Indiana either, but the Hawks were at least, I would say, a small disadvantage between the lack of home court and the travel aspect. Um, the Pacers, though, had lost four of their last five, playing not particularly well, especially defensively in recent days. But on the injury side, the Hawks were the healthier team in this spot. Only Darren Hunter and Cam Reddish missed this game. It was the fourth straight game, actually, the Hawks had 15 guys available, which is a lot more than they've had for most of the season. Um, but the Pacers were without Miles Turner, Malcolm Brogdon, Jeremy Lamb, Edmund Sumner. Um, they were not, like, totally void of talent, as we saw in this game. They had Sabonis, who's a you know, star-level player in, in a lot of ways. But um, the Hawks were the healthier team, and that was uh, unfortunate from there. Um, our friends at AG made the Hawks six-and-a-half-point favorites, even on the road, which kind of tells you where Indiana was in this game. Um, you know, normally... With no tumult behind the scenes, I think the Hawks would not have been as big of a favorite as they were in this game. They still, they still, though, should have been the favorite. And if they had played well, they would have won this game. And they didn't play well. So, to the game itself. The first half was uh, an adventure, we'll say, defensively for the Hawks. In the early going, actually, it was the offense that I thought was uh, even probably more shaky in the first three or four minutes. They had four turnovers in the first three and a half minutes of this game. Some sloppy play offensively. Um, some foul trouble for John Collins in the early going. 
Um, the Hawks were down by as many as seven. And the Pacers were scoring, though, sort of at will. Um, that was the theme throughout this game. But Badanovich had it going. He had nine points out of the first 12 for the Hawks. He was pretty hot. A couple great passes from Troy Young that I thought. Um, one one left-hander that was breathtaking. Uh, sort of on brand for him, of course. He's, he's obviously a great passer at all times. But I thought um, Aaron Hall did, did a pretty good job on him on the whole. But the passing for Troy always plays up. But there was there were some turnovers to uh, hit on there for Young. They played the usual rotation from recent days with Herter and Kongwu and Hill coming in at the four-minute mark behind Gallinari, who came in first for for uh, John Collins. And Lou Williams was the last guy to come in. But honestly, the first quarter was relatively dreadful. I don't want to overstate it, but the Hawks were trailing by 10 at the end of the first quarter. It was actually as many as 13. Um, and given the situation, that was disappointing for sure. A nice three-point play by Congo in the final possession to cut the lead down to 10. But offensively, they shot it fine. They just had seven turnovers. Again, seven turnovers in the first quarter. And for the whole game... The Hawks only had 12, so credit to the Hawks for taking care of the ball from that point forward, but that was a big problem in the first period. Now, and then defensively, not great. Um, those seven turnovers definitely led to some easy buckets for the Pacers in transition, but Indiana had 18 points in the paint in the first quarter, and for the game, by the way, they had 70. We'll come back to that later on. That was a, a big number that I want to point out uh, later on in the podcast. But defensively, um, pretty much consistently a mess all, all night long. In fact, the Hawks' best defensive quarter was the fourth, and it didn't necessarily matter at that point in time, as we'll get into momentarily. But the second quarter, um, obviously a little bit better, especially offensively, but defensively they just couldn't get, they couldn't get stops for the most part. They actually started John Collins at center in the second quarter after he sat for about eight minutes due to the foul trouble. Uh, Lou Williams had his best little stretch in a while. He had seven points um, in about three minutes for the Hawks after sort of a sketchy start for him in the first quarter. The offense, though, was totally fine. Again, um, even with the turnover issues early on, the Hawks were scoring plenty, like above their normal average on a, on a per-possession basis. They just couldn't get stops. The Pacers were scoring about 1.5 points per possession for about the first 16, 17 minutes of this game. They led by 13. TJ McConnell had an awesome game, especially in the first half. He had 13 points in the first half, which is uh, wild to see. He had 19 for the game. He's not, he's not a big scorer, let's just say. I, I, you know, he's a pretty good player, but not necessarily the guy that you would uh, say is a primary scoring type. But a 6-0 run by the Pacers to cap um, off a little uh, push by them at easy backdoor play actually sort of punctuated things. They led by 17 with five minutes to go in the first half. That push was against the starters, too, for the Hawks. So it wasn't like the bench was getting torched. It was the starters. It was sort of equal opportunity. The Hawks did play some defense um, late in the first half. They actually got five stops in a row, which was pretty notable after how bad it was early on. Indiana didn't score for all three minutes, but even then... Um, as soon as Indiana stopped scoring, the Hawks kind of stopped scoring, which is unfortunate, but they only cut the lead down to 12, despite uh, getting all those stops back to back to back. That ended up being uh, sort of a missed opportunity, I thought, defensively. And then back and forth late, but Karis LeVert got a bucket at the buzzer, and the Hawks are suddenly down by 14 at the half, 72-58 at the break. Um, I'll be positive before we get to a break here um, about the first half, and that was the offense was, again, totally fine. Average in terms of points per possession, they shot it pretty well. Took care of the ball in the second quarter. Uh, 20 points in the first half from Gallinari and Lou Williams off the bench to sort of help their cause. Uh, the starters, though, were not great outside of Bogdanovich, and that was a problem in a lot of ways here. But def- def- defensively, it was pretty much dreadful throughout. But Indiana had 40 points in the paint in the first half. That is about what a lot of teams would average in the, for a full game, so that's not what you want to see. And the shooting was hot the entire way, and that, that was, uh, unfortunately for the Hawks, going to continue in the second half. But first, before we get to all of that stuff, a word from our sponsor on today's podcast, and the first of which is betonline.ag. Baseball is in full swing right now, and you can track all the action and much, much more at betonline.ag. 
BetOnline is both the fastest and the easiest way to bet on all of your sports action. Get all the latest news, odds, and information for all of your sporting needs, including the NBA, of course, with MLB, NHL, UFC, golf, soccer, tennis, auto racing, entertainment bets, and much, much more. BetOnline also has all of the props and future bets you could possibly want, and they offer live wagering options on a ton of events, which can add a lot of intrigue when you're watching any game. Before the next pitch or dribble, head over to BetOnline.ag on your laptop or mobile device. You can check out the news, contest information, and sign-up bonuses right now. Take this chance to get off the sidelines and take your opportunity to get into the game as teams prepare for the run to the playoffs. If you visit BetOnline.ag right now, you can sign up today and receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit with BetOnline. That is a 50% bonus on your first deposit if you use the promo code Locked On. One more time, that is promo code Locked On for 50% more and a welcome bonus with BetOnline.ag. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. Okay, and on the whole, the third quarter was much better, but sort of in frustrating fashion. So we'll that's sort of the uh, the overall synopsis, but we'll dive into it now. Um, they started Kevin Herter in the third quarter, which I think was the right move. Herter is just better than Tony Snell. Um, I know I know why they've been starting Tony Snell. He gives you a little bit more of that traditional, you know, um, small forward kind of guy. He's a little bit he's a little bit longer. Obviously, he's been knocked on sh- knocked on shoe this year, but um, and you know it's a little bit offense leaning when you go with Young Herter and Bogdanovich all together. But right now, that's their best trio, and they went with that. Um, for the most part in the second half, which which I can definitely understand going to. Um, they paid some, some dividends as well. As I thought Herter was pretty good in this stretch. But the Pacers actually started out with the first four points to go by 18. That was the largest lead of the night. And the Hawks uh, were sort of in some trouble there, obviously down 18 early in the third. There was some life, a couple different runs by Atlanta, an 8-2 to two run to cut down to 12, showing some life there. And then, um, But Sabonis was just incredible for the Pacers in this game offensively. He made a bunch of shots, even over Capella at times. Indiana was balanced as a scoring team as well. Six guys in double figures early in the third quarter, which is kind of crazy. That, that almost never happens that early in a game. Then the Hawks had a 10-0 run in 94 seconds to go from basically deep trouble to not-so-deep trouble. Um, going from, from 17 down to 7. So it was a good ATO play by McMillan to get Collins on an advantage situation. He scores. They get a couple of turnovers from Karis LeVert that lead right to five points in a row from Kevin Herter. And then after a couple of empty trips, Trey Young hits a three to cut the lead from 10 down to 7. So a heck of a flurry there. And um, actually, it could have been even bigger. They had, After a timeout, Bogdanovich had a wide-open three, which is one he just doesn't miss right now. He's obviously been incredible as a shooter, but that was the one that he actually missed in this game that was a little bit weird that could have been uh, even sort of slashing the lead even more. But it was 11-0 run overall, but the Pacers did respond. They had some uh, pretty interesting um, offensive plays. I will say this, though. John Collins was awesome in the third quarter. He had a block. He had a dunk. A couple good rebounds. He was flying around the floor and really giving him a ton of energy in the third quarter to sort of hold the line um, they, cut, they cut the lead back down to six again. Bogdanovich actually hit, him, had, hit, hit his three this time. But um, sort of a weird delay of game technical foul on the Hawks to uh, buoy a possession by the Panthers into a four-point possession. Um, and then Trey Young was awesome uh, as a score. He had seven points in about a minute, actually. But the Hawks just couldn't get stops. Essentially, that was the story of the quarter. And then you had an absolute disaster on the last minute or so. In fact, it was six points in the final 45 seconds by the Pacers. Wrapped around a missed floater and turnover by Trey. Um, the, de- the deficit goes from eight up back and back up to 14. And because of that little hiccup at the end of the third quarter, the Hawks actually broke even in the third, which honestly might have been part of why the Hawks lost this game was just the fact that they really kind of played really well for like 10 minutes of that third quarter and ended up breaking even in the period. Obviously, they had their chance in the fourth quarter as well, but I would go back to that as an important pivot point. But Trey Young had 17 
in the third. The Pacers, though, shot 75% from the floor in the third quarter to break even at 38 to 38, just a a high-scoring quarter under any description. Um, The fourth, though, kind of belonged to the Hawks. Even when they lost this game, they actually won the fourth quarter by seven points, and the early early going was uh, dominant in favor of Atlanta. It was a 7-0 run immediately in the first 90, 90 seconds, actually, to cut the lead down. Another three by Bogey, who's been awesome, obviously. It became a 15-2 overall run by the Hawks to cut the lead all the way down to one. That was as close as the Hawks got to, uh, you know, just one of those. They, 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 couldn't, they couldn't, couldn't sort of get over the top in the second half, but they got the lead all the way down to one. John Collins, again, was tremendous in the second half to, this, to that point. Hit a three in that run. Um, again, played both both sides of the floor as well. Helped side protection. Um, rebounding everything, he was just a a work of a work of art, I would say. In that second half, he was playing fantastic basketball. But um, the Hawks did make a chance, sorry, miss a chance for a free point when when um, they actually missed a technical foul free throw, which is kind of bizarre. Gallinari missed one, and for this is always always anecdotal, but I think the Hawks have been shooting pretty poorly on technical foul free throws this year, which is kind of a weird aside. But um, you know, from there, kind of a game of run situation. McConnell got, got a pick six, and the Pacers went back, back up by eight. Kind of a disastrous, a, a, a disastrous stretch with um, Trey Young and Lou Williams playing together. That is not a pairing that I enjoy very much, and that did not work in this stretch. There was a big three by, by Bogdanovich again in that run, but um, I'll kind of go play by play here from from the rest of the for the rest of the way. But they took Lou off. They got a three on the first possession. After that, to cut it down down to five, they got a bunch of stops in a row. Collins finished a nice lob with a hit with one hand. Cut the lead down to 122 to 119. They got even more stops. Then Capella scored. It was 122 to 121. Now, from there, there was a play in which the Hawks had a great chance to take the lead for the first time in this entire run, and it just didn't fall. So Trey Young finds Capella with a lob. It was a pretty easy bunny that Capella should have made. He missed it, and uh, that you know the Pacers just couldn't score at that point. They actually, actually they didn't score for about for more than three minutes, but that was the only time. In this stretch, the Hawks actually could have taken the lead on a shot because from there, they finally scored. The Pacers did. But Donovich misses a three that would have tied it with about two minutes to go um, at 124-124. But he uh, actually, a great defensive play by Trey Young to strip um, Aaron Holiday and have the ball go off Holiday's elbow to give the Hawks the lead. Sorry, the, give the Hawks the ball back down three in the fourth with a chance to tie it. Um, they got a good look, actually. Trey Young again, catch and shoot three. Uh, he just missed it. That was not a. It was a good design. It was a good look. He just didn't. He just didn't make it in that spot. And then a huge swing in Indiana's favor because because Levert gets down the floor, three point play, and the lead goes up to six. So it went from Trey Trey with a shot in the air to tie it to down six in the blink of an eye with 108 to go. Now there was one little uh, push again by the Hawks at the end because Bogdanovich hit a three that was a massive shot. It was contested. That game. That's kind of what you have to have there. Down six with about a minute to go. You need you need a three badly. They got one, so they didn't, they didn't have to foul. You're playing good defense, but then Levert gets to his right, beats Kevin Herter off the dribble, hits a turnaround uh, jumper to put the uh, back, back up by five, and uh, it wasn't over at that point, but then when Gallinari missed a semi-decent look, um, that was kind of the end of that, and the end of the result was uh, what it was. So without going all the way into this, again, it was kind of a story of the Hawks unable to get stops, and my broad takeaway from that would be that the Hawks did not play well defensively, and Indiana was red hot. It's usually both things, and this game, it was both things. If you want to say that Indiana made a unsustainable diet of shots, I would agree with you on that. I think Sabonis in particular 
had a bunch of shots that were very, very well contested that he ended up making. Levert made a bunch too. McConnell was hot, although most of his, most of his, his shots were pretty easy. But um, the Hawks, you know, you can play bad defense and not have your opponent shoot 62% from the floor. Yes, 62% from the floor for the game. So it's, again, both sides. I think the Hawks played very poorly defensively in this game at times. It was better after halftime. I think that was definitely true. But the Pacers, just to their credit, made a bunch of shots. Um, but overall, the Hawks end up allowing about 1.3 points per possession in this game. And uh, that is, um, you know, not what you are looking for. One final note on the defense, the Pacers had almost 70% true shooting, which is like you can't overcome that. And, you know, to score 70 points in the paint, I don't want to overstate it, but that, that's not a number you can live with. Um, you know, it, it, take, it would take it would have taken a Herculean effort from the offense, which I guess almost happened at various times in the fourth quarter. But 70 points in the paint is untenable, and we'll get into the individual stuff in a second, but there wasn't a lot of resistance uh, around the rim, and in, I think particularly at the point of attack. It's been a weakness for the Hawks since the injuries to DeAndre Hunter and Cam Reddish. Uh, Chris Dunn was a guy who did not play in this game. Um, I think various guys did decent jobs at various points in this game on the perimeter, but it was uh, a glaring weakness in this game that will uh, definitely be addressed at some point. Um, offensively, to be more positive, it was pretty good, actually, in this game. Uh, it's, kind of, it's almost frustrating because the Hawks did play very well offensively. They scored about 1.2 points per possession which is more than enough. They had 51% from the floor, 15-37 from three, 15-18 um, from the free throw line, a true shooting mark of 62%. Um, so all all those are above average marks. They ball, Their ball security was good after the first quarter, 27 assists. Um, you know, not a whole lot to nitpick offensively. Like various guys, maybe, as we'll get into in a second, did not play all that well. But in general, they did more than enough offensively to win. And then it was just the inability to stop the Pacers that let them down in this spot. And I want to overstate it. So I'm going to stop right there. Okay. Before we get to the individual breakdowns, as well as some uh, standings talk at the end of the podcast, a word from our sponsors on today's show. And the first of which is built bar built bar is spectacular. And if anything, it's more delicious than ever. Built Bar has a ton of amazing flavors that we've been talking about for quite some time on the podcast. That includes options with or without nuts. And it also features some of my personal favorites like lemon almond cheesecake and cookies and cream. Each and every bar is covered in 100% chocolate, and they're also soft and easy to chew, making the entire experience all that much better. And Built Bar is also great if you're trying to be health conscious. You can maintain or even lose weight while enjoying something that tastes absolutely incredible. Built Bar is also low calorie, low sugar, high protein, and high fiber. And Built Bar is even great for the keto diet. My personal favorite, as I said a number of times, is cookies and cream. And the profile there from the health perspective is awesome. 17 grams of protein, 130 calories, 4 grams of sugar, and only 4 grams of net carbs. It is a fantastic time to check out BuiltBar.com. Yes, that's BuiltBar.com. If you go there right now, you have 15% off with the promo code LOCKED15. If you use that promo code, once again, it's LOCKED15. That's 15% off on your next order with BuiltBar.com. Check it all out. There's plenty to check out at BuiltBar.com, and I recommend all the flavors. You can find it all at BuiltBar.com, and you can try BuiltBar today. One more time, promo code LOCKED15, 15% off at BuiltBar.com. All right, so the individual stuff in this game and uh, a mixed bag. We will say some guys played well, some guys did not. And, uh, you know, that's usually the case, but certainly it was divisive at times. Um, the bench was, you know, hit and miss. I'll say the first half, as I, as I referenced once before, they got 20 points in the first half from Gallinari and Lou Williams, and they finished the night with 22 points. So that was kind of the only hiccup offensively was those guys kind of cooled off in the second half. Lou, 15 minutes, 3-5 from the floor, had 7 points, but was minus 6, 3 assists, 
I thought he was okay shot, shot making wise, but just wasn't it wasn't a huge factor in the game overall. Um, Kevin Herter was I think pretty good as a playmaker, as a defender, two steals and two blocks each for Kevin Herter, but only one of five on twos in this game. So only eight points on ten shots, nothing uh, not not terribly efficient there, but actually was plus four off the bench. I thought he played reasonably well, just didn't have a shot going in this game. Solomon Hill um, actually posted a zeros across the board line, which is tough to do. In eight, it's only eight minutes, which makes it a little bit easier. But uh, Solo was a non-factor, we'll say. Uh, defensively, he struggled to keep guys in front of him. That's the weakness that Solomon Hill has defensively. He's very, very good as a team defender, and he's also very physical and strong. But speed-wise in space, it's a it's a struggle for Solomon Hill. I think everyone knows that, but it was that was the one thing I wanted to at least point out about his game. Uh, Kongwu didn't play a lot, seven minutes, three points, two rebounds. Had a couple of nice flash plays, had a good verticality block at one point, uh, but nothing that was like terribly flashy or dominant in his stint. He was obviously much better last night. Um, Gallinari was the last guy off the bench, 15 points, seven rebounds, three assists, three steals, and a block. He was active defensively. I'll, I'll give Gallo some credit here. Defensively, he was better than he usually is, um, even on a night where the Hawks were bad as a whole, but didn't have his shot going necessarily. He was two of seven on threes. Um, which is not his best nor his worst, but still a little bit of a hiccup there. And then the fourth quarter, he sort of um, bulked things down offensively a couple times, I thought. Uh, Tony Snell had a really shaky night, to be kind. I think he was pretty bad, actually. Um, didn't score. Three assists, two rebounds, 0-3 from the floor, but um, not, not, not necessarily that. Obviously, his volume is always low, or at least usually low as a shooter, but defensively, I thought he was uh, pretty poor by his standards. Like He's never fantastic or dominant defensively, but I think he was uh, below average by his standards, So no, and no offset with, with three-point shooting. So uh, definitely a below average night for Tony Snell. And then the other four starters, Capella, I thought was below average for him. You know, part of that was that Sabonis really had it going. Like, you know, credits to Sabonis for making a bunch of tough shots, but Capella was not the usual deterrent that he often is at the rim defensively. Um, offensively, 10 points and 10 shots. Not a disaster, but not great either. Nine rebounds, um, no blocks. Uh, just kind of okay and had foul trouble and uh, wasn't a huge factor in a positive way. And, um, you know, one thing I've said all, all year long is that basically if Capella's not great, the Hawks do not, have a, do not have a very good defense. And he was not great in this game. And that kind of tells you it was not only him. There were definitely perimeter issues, to be sure. But um, he didn't have the juice today to clean up for all that stuff. And the results were what they were. And then three guys who all had big nights offensively were Collins, Young, and Bogdanovich. Um, Trey Young, 30 points, 10 assists, 4 rebounds, had the 17-point quarter. Um, it, I don't think he was fantastic, which is kind of crazy for a guy who had 30 and 10. He was just kind of okay. Uh, defensively, I thought it was pretty bad. There was the one play that I mentioned later, um, late, late in the game against Holiday, where he actually drew a, uh, a turnover defensively. But I think his effort and performance defensively was not up to his standard from this year, which has been better. Uh, again, no one's saying Trey's great defensively, but he's uh, been better than that he was tonight this season. And then Madonovich stays hot, 28 points on 18 shots, um, 6-10 from 3, just a completely, completely ridiculous shooting performance still, and 39 minutes. This is an area that I've paid attention for a while now, but Madonovich is playing a ton of minutes. Um, even right after the injury, he played 34 minutes a night for the, for the first two games. 39 tonight on second night of a back-to-back. So, um, you know... It's possible, I'm not saying it's likely, but it's possible that he might lead the team in minutes in the playoffs, which is kind of not what you would expect. You expect it to be, to be, to be, to be Trey Young, but especially if DeAndre Hunter is not returned for the playoffs, which is definitely in question. I'm not telling you it's going to happen, but they seem to trust Lou Williams more than they trust their backup wings, and uh, Bogdan's been leading the team in minutes for a while now, so that's something to keep an eye on. 
um, in this spot. And then John Collins, I thought was awesome, honestly. Um, he was the best player for the Hawks, I think, in this game. 25 points, 7 rebounds, plus 7, by the way, in a game the Hawks lost by 9. Uh, sorry, lost by 7. So they were minus 14 with him off the court, plus 7 with him on the court. Again, that's not an all-encompassing stat. It was not just him. But defensively, he was by far the best player the Hawks had in this game. Um, you know, in terms of impact in the second half, Capella is still better than him overall. But I think Collins' energy level was really good defensively. He played really well offensively. Um, 10 to 50 from the floor, two of five from three. So if you're looking for a bright spot um, individually, I would point to Collins. Uh, he was not the only guy who played well, but I think he was, uh, you know, a good story and a good um, night for him on the whole. So, you know, the Hawks. From here, it's a, it's a, again, I'm not sure how bad, I don't, I don't want to litigate this too much, but there was a bad loss debate happening on Twitter that I saw after the game, just how bad this loss was. My answer would be pretty bad, but not, not, not catastrophic. And that's kind of where I'll land right here. Part of that is the standing. So the Knicks, Celtics, and Heat were all off on Thursday. So those are the teams that the Hawks are directly competing against in the playoff race. So to lose there, you lose ground on all of them. Um, they're now one game behind the Knicks without the tiebreaker, so that's tough. That means it's basically a two-game trail on the Knicks. Now, New York's schedule is pretty difficult, so that's not over for the Hawks to have the number four seed, but this is definitely a big blow to that hope. Um, and then elsewhere, the only one up now on Boston and Miami. On the bright side, the Hawks do have the tiebreaker in those, in those matchups, but both of those teams have two more games than the Hawks do now because the Hawks only have four games left. Boston and Miami have six games left. And, um, yeah, that's just interesting to kind of look at that and see what's going to sort of fade away from there. But the Hawks are still in good shape to avoid the play-in, um, but they need to go out and win these uh, last four, at least three of the last four, to feel, like, incredibly safe about all that. Um, and, you know, just losing a game that you shouldn't lose is frustrating at the end of the season. But the Hawks do, again, come home now for the final four games. So the Hawks lose their final four road games of the season. Now they'll at least have, hopefully, some road games in the playoffs. Um, but... Uh, the schedule is favorable. We've talked about this for, for a long time, but the next time the Hawks play is Monday. Yes, Monday. The Hawks now have three days off for the first time since the All-Star break. Um, the schedule's been unrelenting this year, but right now it's relenting a little bit and uh, some time to practice. Nate McMillan, Nate McMillan said after the game tonight that they're going to be off on Friday and then they're going to practice on Saturday and Sunday, so we'll see what happens there. Um, they play Washington on Monday and then again on Wednesday, both at home, sort of one of those baseball sets. So uh, And then they close with Orlando and Houston Washington is playing pretty well right now, so those are not giving these by any, way, any means. But if the Hawks are healthy, they'll, they'll be at least favored, albeit probably a little bit modestly in those two games, but they should be able to win at least one of those two, if not both. And then the last two games of the year, the Hawks will be favored by a lot, you'd imagine. So, uh, the sky is not falling, would be my message at this point in time. It's not a great loss, not a great performance by any means, but now they'll have a, a day to recover and then a couple days of practice to recover some more and then uh, be fresh, hopefully, on Monday against the Wizards. Be, you know, they'll definitely be trying at the end of the season, so that's one to circle. So keep an eye on the Knicks, keep an eye on the Celtics, keep an eye on the Heat over the weekend. Um, my plan for the podcast is to have probably one show that I record Saturday or Sunday that would that will drop before Monday's game, and then we'll have our normal um, schedule from there. So I'm going to take at least... A couple days off here, um, well, not at least not from, from the podcast <laughs> at any rate. So uh, this will be the last show of the week. This is the fifth show of the week, so hopefully everybody was uh, dialed in to these previous shows. One more uh, note, if you've been listening to this podcast for the first time or the second time or the twelfth time, Apple Podcast is still an option, but they've been having some hiccups across the networks, not just my show, not, not just the 
Lost Life Podcast Network, but across Apple Podcasts in general. So if you're looking for alternatives, I try to share some on my Twitter account. Also on my Twitter account, I'll be Lost on Hawks Podcast, at Lost on Hawks on Twitter. You can follow me at BT Roll on Twitter if you'd like to. Um, rate, review, subscribe, check out the podcast on whichever podcast platform that you enjoy. But Apple has been a little bit wonky lately, so keep that in mind as you are searching. Thank you, everybody, for listening to the podcast. Enjoy a uh, couple of days off without Hawks basketball. Even as fans, it can be a little bit um, exhausting when it's every other game, um, or at least uh, you know every every day sometimes with a basketball game. So the next time they're in action will be on Monday. We'll be back again one more time between now and then. Please subscribe, and I'll see you next time.